Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Here we go. Do you bring a Bible with you today? I see a few analog Bibles, the paper ones that make a fun sound when you flop them around. I like those ones. And I see a lot of digital ones that are presently being occupied for Instagram. And uh, it's amazing. If you have a phone with you, you got a Bible with you. I love that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to dive right in today. I, I have a, a message I'm excited to share that I believe is going to be impacting for us. We've been in a series of, uh, of messages around this topic of living undivided living an undivided life or having a heart that is undivided, meaning it's not easily distracted, a heart that's not mixed in its motives, a heart that's not kind of pulled around based on feeling and emotion and one day it's up and one day it's down. But an undivided heart is a heart focused on the things that God has for us, a heart that has a target in mind. In fact, a poet in the Bible, in the book of Psalm, chapter 86, says this, God, I need you to give me a gift, a gift of an undivided heart so that I don't sin, that my life doesn't miss the mark. Now, now clear from Scripture from beginning to end, we're all bound to, to fail. We're all filled with flaws, and uh, usually the more you know someone, the more you can see their flaws. Anyone know what I'm talking about? But the Bible says this, even though we are prone to failure, failure is not our, our mandate. It's not this guarantee that in every, every way we will fail. There's actually a way to live submitted unto to Christ. The Bible says as we look to him, we actually look more like him. And so in the process of, of focusing on Jesus, our life gets focused. Our heart becomes aligned with his, and we live on a, a new level or a new dimension, or we live with a new level of freedom. Flawless, no, but completely under God's grace. Meaning when we fail, God who sees beginning all the way to the end, who has known from first to last, who sees us at our worst and still sees the best in us, he's got more than enough grace for us. How many people are grateful that God has more grace than we have failure? Are you with me? Come on, somebody. I'm excited that God's grace is more than enough. It, it's put this way in the Bible. His grace is sufficient, meaning whatever we lack, God makes up for with his grace. When we lack clarity, God, by grace, can give us clarity. When we lack character, God, by his grace, can, can mold and shape our character. When we lack competency, God, by his grace, will teach us if we'll, if we'll be willing to learn. When we lack uh, the, the, the energy required to do this life, well, God, by grace. You know, from beginning to end, the, the interaction that we have between us and God is always supplied by grace. Sometimes people think, you know, a moment of salvation, I receive God's grace. They share a testimony. They're like, once upon a time, I was far from God. Then I came to God by his grace. Now I work really, really hard to be really, really good. Man, folks, if that's your story, you've missed the point because we will always, only, ever live in relationship to God according to grace. 
not according to our effort, not according to our works, or we could start getting boastful and kind of proud and living as if we're the ones who are flawless and we're the ones who are, are, are pretty much, you know, godlike in our perfection. We need God's grace. Are you with me? Am I talking to some people who, who, who do life the way I do, struggling, trying to make things make sense, trying to get from point A to point B and do it the best we can? We really desperately need God's grace. Today I want to share with you a message as we conclude this series of Living Undivided. This message is entitled, The Rest of the Story. The Rest of the Story. There was a, there was a, a radio figure named Paul Harvey, who used to have a, a, a daily syndicated radio show that was listened to, they say, by roughly 24 million people across North America every single day. And his radio segment was storytelling. He would tell a story, never revealing who the main character of the story was until the very end of the story. At the end of the story, it would be, it would be something like this. He grew up on the prairies of Canada, born to a Belarusian family of immigrants. Hockey was his one connection to his community. And he'd tell this long, elaborate story, and then it would end with this. And he was Wayne Gretzky. And now you know the rest of the story. Anyone, anyone ever remember that? And now it was like, I just want to reveal to you that, that behind the scenes of what you see, there is a storyline going on, the rest of the story that you might have been unaware of unless attention was drawn to it. Do you know right now in your season, there is a rest of the story going on and God is at work and whatever might seem like it's, it's hopeless, God's at work. There is a backstory happening and God is doing his best work that there will be a moment of revelation where even you living in your life will go, oh, that was the rest of the story. How many people wish, like, wouldn't it just be nice if we could know the rest of the story before we had to go through it? Like, can I just find out what the end of this story is? And as long as I know the last chapter is a good chapter, then I can make it through some of the, the rough stuff in the middle. Well, here's the thing. The Bible actually promises and guarantees that your last chapter is a great chapter. Man, if you, if you live in relationship to God, he is leading you from strength to strength, and he's leading you from glory to glory. You say, Pastor, I don't feel very strong right now. Good news, uh, there's more strength coming. I don't feel very glorious right now. I'm feeling like I'm barely making it through. Good news, there's more glory coming. I think too, far too often we start living on our old stories, our, our, our past successes, or maybe even reliving our past failures as a means to, means to kind of wrap ourselves up in self-pity. But the truth is that your best is ahead of you. God has a great plan in store for you. His plan is to give you hope and a future. And there's a rest of the story that's unfolding. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is in the book of Romans chapter 15. In Romans chapter 15, uh, starting I believe at, first, at verse 4, it says this, everything that was written in Scripture was written for our benefit. Someone say, it was for me. Oh, come on, everybody. How about we all say, it was for me. It, for me. it says, everything that was written in Scripture is for our benefit, that we might learn, check it out, uh, that we might, through the endurance taught in Scripture and the encouragement that it provides, have hope. 
See, the, the scripture from beginning to end, Genesis all the way to Revelation, is written for you and I that we might have hope. That the end result, as we see the struggle of others, as we see the flaws in others not determining their destiny, but God's grace determining their destiny, we can see from beginning to end, this is what endurance looks like. And we actually find encouragement for ourselves that we might have hope. That in the midst of what feels impossible, we can look at some impossible situations and say, he's the same God that that gave David the power to kill the giant. He's the same God that, by his grace, gave Esther the courage to stand up against uh, racial genocide and save her people. He's the same God that, against all odds, allowed Jonah in his failure not to let his failure define him. He swallowed him up with a fish and spat him back up on the land and gave him a second chance. He's the same God today that he always has been. And so this book is not just about other people. This book's about you. This book is about you in this season, and if you would scour it and you would pour into it, what you would find is that it will pour into you. Everything that's written is that you and I might learn endurance and encouragement, and as a byproduct, we might overflow with hope. The next verse says this, verse 5, may that God who gives endurance and encouragement give us the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and with one voice we may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How good is that? Not only does God give endurance, not only does God give encouragement, but he also gives unity among ourselves. Unity that we can find ourselves saying, man, I'm different than you are, but we align in this one thing. We really, need, we really need God. We sang it this morning. I'm convinced of this one thing. God is madly in love with you. And he's madly in love with me too. And if, if I'm one of the ones God loves and you're one of the ones God loves, guess what? As we grow up in his love, we grow closer together. Our hearts become aligned with the purposes and, and, and the values of the kingdom of God. So God gives endurance. God gives encouragement. And God gives unity. What I've found, generally speaking, is a a heart that is distressed within a person usually comes down to one of these three things. I need more endurance. I need some encouragement. I need some people in my life. Come on, are you with me? I feel tired. I feel discouraged. I feel disconnected. I hear those words all the time. Man, Pastor, I'm just feeling so tired right now. I'm feeling so discouraged right now. I'm in a season where I feel like I'm really lonely right now. I'm disconnected. Well, the same God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He says, I can give you endurance. I can give you encouragement. I can give you unity among yourselves. It'll actually change the way you speak, and your negative speak will turn into positive speak that gives glory to God uh, in heaven because there will be an alignment in these areas. That's the rest of the story. The rest of the story is you don't have to let your discouragement define you. The rest of the story is that your lack of strength is not going to be the the plot line of your life. The rest of the story is that you weren't made to be alone. And God, who has written scripture faithfully that you and I might grow in endurance and encouragement, also just says, I want to give you a gift. I want to bless you with a like-mindedness that you might grow in relationship one to another, that you might grow in relationship with people. You don't have to do this alone. 
This morning I was reading uh, Charles Spurgeon, great preacher. For some of you, you're like, these words are old words. Put it in new words. I think I'm just going to speak to the people who like old words right now and share, share this quote. It's phenomenal. It says this, let us all endeavor to pitch our tune according to Christ's keynote. And the nearer we get to that, the less discord there will be in the somnity of the church. We shall be like-minded with one another when we become like-minded with Christ, but not till then. Come on, think of that. We will be more unified with one another as we become more unified with Christ, but not till then. Because before that, all we're looking for is commonality. Before that, all we're looking is for is uniformity. Well, we align in these preferences. Therefore, I feel connected to you. I don't want to be connected to people who just like the same foods that I do. I don't want to be connected to people who just have the same hobbies as I do. I don't want to just find alignment with people who cheer for the same sports teams. I want unity that is stronger than that. Unity that can withstand something more than that. And the Bible says God gives it all. Endurance, encouragement, and unity. So if you're here today, you say, I'm one of those ones feeling like I'm tired. I'm one of those ones feeling like I'm discouraged. I'm one of those ones feeling like I'm disconnected or lonely. Let me speak to the real need in your life, and that need is rest. Rest. The one thing we could all use a little more of. I mean, a little more money might be nice. A little more opportunity might be good. But we could all use a little more rest. I see it whenever, whenever I interact with people. Most common answer, how are you doing? Oh, I'm pretty tired. Right? Hey, how was your week? Busy. What are you doing? Oh, man, so much on the go. In the end, like, if, if you could honestly receive this one gift from God where he just say, I want to give you rest, who would take that up? Take God up on his offer. Well, let me show you in Scripture. I want to read one sentence of the Bible that I believe will revolutionize the way you see Jesus because it speaks not only of what he does for us, but his very character, who he is. And when we get a picture of who Jesus is, it's game-changing. Let me show you this, this statement that Jesus makes, this one powerful sentence in the book of Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. I want to tell you the rest of the story. Here we go. Jesus speaking to those who were around him. He made this one statement, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If that's not underlined in your Bible, I mean, what was a pen invented for? Get that thing underlined. You need that. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In this one sentence, Jesus is revealing four things about his nature that you can rely on, that you can lean into. If you're one of those people today saying, I feel tired, I feel discouraged, I feel disconnected, this sentence is for you. This is Jesus' offer to you and I. This is Jesus through Scripture saying, oh, you need endurance? Yeah, this is it right here. Need some encouragement? Find it in my character. You need some unity? Let me show you how you get there. Number one, that word, the first word of the sentence, come. Come. Underline it. Come. This statement means simply this of the character of Jesus. Jesus is accessible. He's findable. He's knowable. He is experiential. The Word of God says in the book of Ephesians that you can know a love that surpasses knowledge. In other words, it would blow your mind, but you can come to a place where you say, I don't get it, but I get it. 
Like, I got it, I just don't get it. But I'm experiencing a love that is unconditional. It makes no sense because the way I think of love is I get uh, only what I deserve. I get praise only when I've been real good. But the love of God is bigger than that. It's wider than any ocean. It's higher than the highest mountain. It's deeper than the deepest valley. The love of God surpasses knowledge. It's high and wide and long and deep. And you can know this love. Jesus in this one statement says, wherever you're coming from, you can come. I'm accessible. There's someone here today, you say, you know what, the, 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 the gift that God provides sounds good for someone else, but I'm so distant. Like I, I've distanced myself. No matter how distant you are, Jesus' invitation is, come on, I'm findable, I'm knowable, I'm accessible. You say, well, pastor, I, I am distant by my own choosing, I'm distant by my own mistakes, my, my own faults and flaws is what has distanced me. I put some, some hard miles in between where I used to be and where I find myself today. And God feels a long way off. Well, guess what? The Bible says this. If you just draw near to God, he's, he'll draw near to you. Like if you would simply just take a step, you will find he's already made every possible step available to you. He's drawn so near. He's drawn so close. In fact, the first public statement Jesus made in his ministry was the kingdom of God is near. Or in other words, I have arrived. I'm on the scene. Wherever, whoever, however, I'm here. I love this about Jesus. He's accessible. He's findable. He's not, he's not playing an unknowable game of charades, and you just don't know what it sounds like. You're like, God, I'm guessing, and I'm trying. I guess, like, it's only for perfect people. No, here Jesus says, come. Come. He's accessible. It's game-changing. Trying to imagine how I would develop any type of relationship with my own children unless... I, I find myself in the same place at the same time. I don't rely on, on Jennifer to tell my kids stories about me. You know, I'll, I'll leave, a, I'll leave a, a book. You can read about your father. I'm accessible. I'm findable. In fact, they're all shorter than me, so I'll even get down to their own level so they can know me on their level. And I'm a flawed, imperfect, selfish father. We've got a good father in heaven, and, and he sends his son Jesus, and Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. In other words, like, I'm here, I'm accessible, I'm findable, let's eat some food together, let's put our feet up together, let's spend some time together, you can know me. This is the invitation of Jesus, he's accessible. Number two is that second word, he says, all, come to me, all, all. You say, well, Pastor, I feel disqualified. I'm certain that probably if you were looking at the initial, the, the, the original Greek language, what you would find is Jesus is saying, come to me, good people. I'm sure what you would find is Jesus would say, come to me, those who have already read their Bible. I'm sure what you would find is it says, you know, come to me, those who have reached a certain kind of status in their life. But I'm out of control. Like, what part of all don't we understand? Not only is Jesus accessible, but he's also inclusive. He's inclusive. I think it has to 
for the heart of every believer be a core value that we hold, that we live lives that are inclusive. That we do everything possible to build more bridges and less barriers. That we do everything within our power to reach out to those who look different and think different and act different and value different, that there is room in our lives for people. We see it not only as a a virtue to aspire to, but as a lifestyle lived by Jesus who we ascribe to live like. I was thinking this morning, Jesus was the best Christian ever. Because Christian means like a little, a little Christ. Like that's the reason it was used as like, oh, you're so like Jesus. You're a Christian right now. Jesus was the best picture of Christianity ever. And Jesus, at the very core of his heart, was inclusive. I, I think the term best Christian is kind of a funny one because sometimes people are like, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not like a really very good Christian. Like I'm a Christian, just not a good one. It's actually impossible to be a good one. <laughs> We're just trying to, trying to get more like Jesus. We're just trying to be made more into his likeness, which happens by his grace, according to our faith. Yes, there's some effort, but it's all, all the big stuff on the to-do list is God's work. It's the work of his spirit in our lives. But this, is, this has to be a fundamental core value of who we are as Christians, to live lives that are inclusive. Jesus says, come to me all. Someone here today, you feel disqualified. You could fill in the blank as to why, and it would feel so unique to you that you'd feel like you were the only one to which it applied. You'd say, well, let, let me tell you the rest of the story. You see, the rest of the story is I've said I'm one way, but in the, in the secret of my life, I'm a different way. Here's the rest of the story. There's people that I've hurt. Here's the rest of the story. I have been the victim of other people's abusive behavior, and, and so I'm disqualified. Here's the rest of the story. I still struggle. Here's the rest of the story. I'm so weak. Here's the rest of the story. Sometimes on a Sunday, I'm faking it. And everybody else is singing, and so I just clap along. Here's the rest of the story. Man, if you cut me off in traffic, you see a different side of me that no one wants to see. Here's the rest of the story. I still struggle with my thought life. Here's the rest of the story. I'm stingy and greedy and jealous and envious. I compare myself to others. I can't forgive. I'm living. Whatever that story is, whatever the unique thing that you think might disqualify you is Jesus says this, come to me all, all. You can find yourself in this sentence. Jesus' invitation is for me. His invitation is for you. If you feel distant, he says, come. If you feel disqualified, he says, all. And then he says this, come to me all who are weary and burdened. Could you underline that in your Bible, weary and burdened? I think I put a little square around those words in my Bible. Asterisks work well, little hearts if you you go that way, whatever you want to do. But something to draw this out. How cool is this? Jesus, he invites us when we're at our worst. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I think if if I could sum up uh, the, the kind of the grand total of human stupidity, it would be this thought process that we've probably all shared would be I need to get myself right and then I can come to God. We've all thought that, right? Man, I'm so messed up right now. I just have to work some things out 
And once I figure some things out, then there will be room in my life again to include a little bit more faith. Trying to figure myself out, but my addiction defines me. And so there's no room for for God in my life until I sort out this addictive behavior first. Trying to figure myself out, but there's so much hurt. You know, I just got to get over my hurt. And then I, it's impossible to find rest apart from Jesus. It's impossible to find rest apart from Jesus. It's impossible to, to, to really, truly forgive without the grace of God in your life. It's impossible. Like, think of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I, I, I dare you, try to be one of those things without the presence of God in your life. It might look like it, but the motives will be mixed. We need Jesus. And so when we're at our worst... When when we're completely destitute, Jesus comes and says, I see you, and I see the best in you, even when you're at your worst. You see, a weary person is a person who's tired out because life is tiring. A burdened person is 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 one who's tired out because they're carrying things they were never intended to carry. So whether it's been done to you, or you're the one who's made some decisions you ought not have made, whoever you are, Jesus... He says, yep, you're the one I want. You see, this speaks to the character of Jesus. He's compassionate, truly compassionate, not sympathetic, compassionate, not not pitying, compassionate. Compassion always leads to action. Pity can be passive, but, but compassion, it always leads to action. Jesus sees us at our worst, and he invites us to come. It's kind of like there's a party. It's an invite-only party. And as long as you're imperfect, you're on the list. I like, that. I like that guest list. In fact, Jesus says, don't hide your imperfections when you come to, come to me. I'm not looking for you to, like, polish yourself up and look, but just come as you are. Weary because life's hard, I get it. Burdened because you made some mistakes you ought not to, carrying some things, I get it. But come to me, all who are weary and all who are burdened. I love in the book of Isaiah it says that we can actually come. It says, those of you who have no money, come buy food. That is an awesome picture. That's like sit down. I was was at a restaurant a while ago with a friend, and uh, they said, hey, anything you want on the menu, don't look at the price. Just order what you want. That's like a new way of living for me. (laughs) I'm just like, is there a back part of this menu where everything ends with a 99, you know? Where we can like combo some things together. He goes, hey, price isn't the issue. Just enjoy. This is, this is what Jesus is saying. Price is really honestly not the issue because I've paid the whole bill already. So whatever you need, I got you. And that speaks to the fourth thing that comes in this verse. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give. Can someone say give? Yeah. Come on, can someone say give? Yeah. Can we all say give? Yeah. I will give you rest. He doesn't say come to me, I'll give you a chance to earn it. Come to me and fight for it. Come to me and I'll let you know once I I dig into the deepest, darkest part. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, whether you're weary because life's just hard or burdened because you made some mistakes. Come to me wherever you are and I will give you rest. Gift. A gift of rest. A gift with your name on it. The one thing we could all use a little more of, Jesus has already made available. 
I remember a couple years ago, I was in a, in a coffee shop. I say that as if it was the last time I was in a coffee shop. That's not true. A couple years ago, I was in a particular coffee shop. And there was a stack of books uh, sitting kind of near the, the, the point of sale. And the, the stack of books, I actually kept one of the books uh, on the front, you know, this white book in red letters that said free. I thought that's an interesting title for a book, right? Interesting title. It's a book called free. So I picked it up to look at it. On the back of it, it says free for the taking. So not only is it free, but you can actually just take it. So I looked at it for a while. I kind of leafed through it a little bit. It's an interesting kind of sketch-oriented art book. And then uh, I said to the person behind the till, is it cool with you if I just take one of these? And, uh, and the person with me is like, dude, what else do you think free means? <laughs> like not only does it say free, it defines the type of free it is for the taking. And yet I still stop and ask, yeah, but, but can I take one? I wonder how many people do this with God. I wonder how many people are doing this with God. Like, well, I know it's free, but... But do I have enough? Enough what? Like, honestly, if we had to gain or earn or deserve something, we are all in big trouble. The Bible says this, there is no one who's righteous, not even one. And the wages of our sin, the way we live our life, equals death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, starting today, going on into forever. The gift of God. Eternal life. Come on. It's free. No strings attached. Completely free. See, Jesus, not only is he accessible, not only is he inclusive, not only is he compassionate, he's also generous. He's also generous. The trade, the exchange looks something like this. Bring your brokenness and receive wholeness. Bring your weakness and receive strength. Bring your sickness and receive health. Bring your brokenness and receive healing. Bring your, your confusion, receive purpose. Bring your foolishness, receive wisdom. This is the gift of God. And, and Jesus, he phrases this as something called rest. I think it's impossible to have an undivided heart unless our heart's at rest. Like no one's at their best when they're stressed. Come on, are you with me? No one's at the best when they're stressed. Stress brings the worst out of us. Stress not only brings the worst out of our heart, but the end result is it starts coming out of our mouth. The Bible says out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. The only time our heart really overflows is when there's outside pressure, like stress, and all of a sudden the stuff coming out of your mouth, you're like, oh, that's not me. You know my heart. No, the truth is what's coming out of your mouth is from your heart. That's where it originates. I know I lost my cool, but you know my heart. Well, I do now. (laughs) See, whatever's in your heart comes out of your mouth. No one's at their best when they're stressed. Jesus says, if, you've, if you can align with this, I feel weary or burdened, if you feel too distant or, or, or too disqualified or, or, or too, you know, uh, destitute, whoever you are, come to me and I'm just going to give you a gift, the very thing you need. And then comes verse 29, okay? I'm going to just be real honest with you. Jesus pulls a fast one. He goes, come to me, guys. I got a gift for you. And everyone's like, ooh, a gift. And then he goes this, verse 29, check it out. He goes, take my yoke upon your back and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your soul. I'm like, hold on. Now, for some of you, the word yolk, you think it's misspelt, and it's applying to the inside of an egg. You're like, I'm an egg white person. This does not apply to me. No, no. This type of yolk is a different type of yolk. This type of yolk is an implement or a tool that connects two forces together, like, like oxen or horses that they could pull together. This type of yolk in, in, in like a vehicle comparison would be like an axle of a car that causes both wheels to pull in alignment with one another. Jesus says this, if you want to receive that rest that I give you as a gift, come put my yoke on your back and learn from me. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, the old bait and switch. You had me. I almost, I almost fell for it. I almost fell for it. And then I looked at the fine print and the fine print is what you really wanted out of me was work. Like, I thought this gift of rest sounded pretty good. I knew there had to be strings attached. You just wanted me to do stuff for you. That's how I used to read this verse. And I used to actually confirm the poor theology that I carried that what God is looking for from me is performance. Deep down somewhere, I know God is more like me than we've given him credit for. He's really just looking for me to perform. And so I'm like, okay, I can do this. You know, I can do this, and so I'll just work harder, pull harder, be stronger, think better thoughts, strive more. But the reality is this, that Jesus' invitation to you and I is not take my yoke on your back so you can do my work. It's take my yoke on your back so I can do your work. See, that's the promise of God. He says if you can simply align with my purposes, what takes place is you get my power. If you can align with my purposes, I will be pulling for you. I will be providing you the strength. How many people say, I need a little more power in my life? See, this is where rest comes in. Four of us are so excited. And the rest of us are like that poor person who started clapping. They must feel so ashamed right now. Help them out. Join them. Okay, check it out. This is what Jesus is saying. Rest is not inactivity. Okay, that just blew someone's mind. Rest is not inactivity. They're not synonymous. They're not. They're not. If they were, you'd try to find the longest line in every grocery store. You'd be like, oh, I just get to just chill for a bit. But instead, you look across, you're like, it's me and you. You know, they don't even know you're in a competition, but you're in a competition to pick the right line. The other day I was in the grocery store. The lady in front of me says, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to be doing a lot of price checking. And I was like, dear God, give me strength. <laughs> and then I lied and said, I don't mind at all. I'm like, God, you're going to have to work this out of my character because I mind. <laughs> I thought I picked the right line, and then there's the price check lady in front of me. It's funny. We, we sometimes think that if we could just get more inactive, we'd feel more rest. But the truth is, when we're inactive for too long, we say this, I feel restless. Think about that. Your plane is delayed on the tarmac, and you get out, and you're like, oh, I feel so restless. My legs have been seriously still for way too long. If inactivity was rest, the greatest news on earth would be like, folks, this is your captain speaking. Just want to let you know there's going to be a little delay, but I'll, I'll check back in with you in about 45 minutes. You're like, you're lying. This is a longer delay than 45 minutes. You're just, but we would all be like, yes, guys, good news. We get to rest. Not only do we not have to move, we're not allowed to. Woo! 
But inactivity is not rest. Jesus says, if you really want rest, what you need to do is do the things you're doing, but align with my purpose so I can pull the weight for you. I want to give you my my power, but the only way we can have his power is if we share in his purpose. Without that, we're going one way and wondering, why is this so hard? Well, the Bible says this, God opposes the proud, like he's pulling against, but he gives grace to the humble. The one who would come alongside and say, God, I can't do this on my own. He's like, finally, that's what I was waiting for. Let me pull the weight for you. And then not only does he give us his power, but check this out. He also teaches us. He also teaches us. While we happen to be yoked alongside, shoulder to shoulder with Jesus, he says this, you can learn from me. Because I'm gentle and humble, meaning there's no stupid questions with Jesus. There's no little passive aggressive remarks with Jesus like, seriously, you're still struggling with that? He's gentle and he's humble. So in the process of him pulling the weight, he is also teaching us things. I think of it this way. Not only can we have all his power, but he'll teach us everything he knows. That's what it says in James. If you, if you lack wisdom, ask God, and he will give it generously without finding fault. If you've got questions, he's got answers. Here's how I look at it. Here we are yoked together, pulling through this life, doing our best to try to find some rest, and Jesus is like, oh, see, right there, That's what I like to call temptation. Now, we can get through this. The Bible says that Jesus was a high priest who who walked through every temptation sinlessly. He's like, I can teach you how to get through this. If you'd learn from me, let's keep pulling. I'm going to teach you how to navigate through this. And then this over here, this is called grief. I know what grief feels like. The Bible says Jesus wept. He lost. He mourned. he, He was torn up. I know what this feels like. If you would come and draw near to me, keep pulling Like, don't stop doing stuff thinking that's going to make you feel rested because when you're restless, you actually are usually pretty reckless. But let's pull together. I'll give you not only my power, but I'm going to teach you. All the stuff I know, I want to download to you. Here's how we walk through this pain. Rejection. I know it's hard. I've been there. Let me teach you. Let me teach you how to to fix your eyes on something different. When you felt the sting of someone's words, I know what it feels like. Man, being falsely accused, oh man, been there. And Jesus, in his humility, he doesn't go like, well, I had to figure it out myself, you have to too. He's like, that's what I'm here for. Keep pulling, keep engaged. Stay active. Just stop running. Some of you, I think you you go this, man, I feel like my life just keeps going around in circles. And here I am again. And for some of you, like, my circle is is seasonal. It's like every year around this time, I'm kind of going through the same thing. For some of you, like, man, my cycle's daily. I say every day, I'm like, today's my day. And then, you know. For some of you, it's even more frequent than that. You're like, it's like every new thought pattern somehow ends in negativity, and you're like, here I am again, back in this same old, same old. I'm just going in circles. I think it would be like a picture of this. You have a yoke on your back. You've not invited Jesus into it, so you're pulling all by yourself. No wonder you're going in circles. We weren't, we weren't meant to do this alone. So Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary. I will give you rest. Here's how I'm going to give it. This is the method by which I will give it. Align with my purposes, and you get my power. And in the process of us getting through this, I'm going to teach you 
You're going to grow in strength. You're going to grow in wisdom. And then he says this, and you will find rest. It's already been given, but you discover it through this process. Jesus has already made it available. He's wrapped it up. He's put your name on it. It's waiting. But we find it. The process of discovery is aligning ourselves with his purposes. That we might receive his power. And in receiving his power, that we might learn from his principles. I suppose it begins for you and I with that simple thing. Will we come to him? Will we come to him or will we in our own self-assuredness or shame or embarrassment say, no, no, I got this. I'm good. Wrap it up in some sort of a, a weird thought like, oh, I got myself into this. I should get myself out of it. It's just the right way. When there's something that's free, free to receive. Earlier this week, uh, I had a deck of cards and I had, I had like a, a really simple trick that I remember when I was a kid. I remember being mystified by it. And for some reason, I always remembered how it worked. And, and the trick gave the impression or the appearance that, that I could read right through the cards to say what it was. And so I was, I was showing my kids this, showing my, my, my kids. And they were all like, whoa, I think dad's seeing it through the reflection in our eyeballs. I'm like, everyone close your eyes. I'll prove it to you. And they're all like, wow, he's still doing it. It's amazing. The reason I knew how to do it is because I had done it before. And then my son, Arrow, who's six years old, he's like, Dad, it's my turn. It's my turn now. And he grabbed the deck the way he thought I was grabbing it, and he revealed the card. He goes, is this a nine of clubs? I said, nope. How about a three of diamonds? Nope. How about a queen of spades? Nope. And he just kept guessing and he persisted and he guessed and he guessed and he guessed and he guessed and he guessed. He said, I'm going to try another card. Is this a two of clubs? Like, and he was just guessing. He's like, I don't know. I saw you do it. I'm just trying to do what I, and I thought like, isn't that funny? I think we kind of do this with God. We're like, okay, I think he's expecting some, something out of me. I'm just going to fake it till I make it. I'm just going to be that person that somehow accidentally stumbles into a holy life. And I mean, to God, I mean, he's so compassionate, way more than me. He's probably not as humored by it as I was. I was just dying. I'm like, this is so funny. You're going to just keep guessing. And if you happen to guess it right, you'd be like, I got it. I got my system. But we do that. We're like, I figured out my system. Got my system. A system that doesn't include God. He doesn't have to teach me anything. I got my system down. My system allows me to find myself. It allows me to self-actualize. And God's like, no, you just stumbled on an answer that is temporary. Draw another card and you're back to square one. But I'm humble and I'm gentle. And I would teach you if you just come on board, get on board with my purposes, align yourself with me, and I'm going to teach you how to do this. And you will find rest. You'll actually find the answers that seemed impossible. Someone here today, you're, you've been toying with this. You're like, I think what I need is just to pull back from everything. And if I pull back from everything, I'm going to feel like energy will return. But it's, it's, a, it's a, a lie. It's a siphon that slowly takes away your energy. Don't pull back from the purposes of God. Just lean into them a little bit differently. Lean into them not as if you're perfect. Lean into them not as if God's expecting you to be something you're not. Lean into them with the same type of humility, saying, Jesus, I need to know the things you know. I haven't figured it out yet. 
Man, I haven't figured out my purpose yet. I'm still struggling in so many ways. But if, if I'm going to take you at your word, you're accessible, you're inclusive, you're compassionate, you're generous. And so I think, I think my flaws kind of guarantee that I'm the type of person you're looking for. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church Podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.